Hey, good evening. Can you hear me? That was good worship. That was good worship. It's worth coming to camp for good worship. You don't know me, right? I'm Chris Oberg. My name is Chris Oberg. I am from California. It's all going to be okay. I'm actually from Oregon, and I'm a missionary to California. So there you have it. I'm from God's country, the Pacific Northwest, which looks a lot like the Carolinas. I don't know if you know that. But we have a lot in common with beautiful trees and bright blue sky, except for today. Um, so I'm, I'm with you all week, friends. I've only been in town like a day, but I've been in town long enough to have my first Carolina barbecue. It was, I'm not, I'm telling you the truth, this was a barbecue plate at a little place in Asheville that had uh, barbecue tempeh, right? Asheville for you. If I could, it's, it's probably somebody's bubba or brother or fat sibling something, piggy something. Like, why do they name them all like this? Why do we want to eat at restaurants called that? It's a southern thing. So I had a plate of barbecue tempeh that they told me was locally sourced. Isn't that great? It was locally grown, locally sourced tempeh, so I feel like I can stay now. I'm as vegetarian as they come, and I've had my first plate of barbecue in the Carolinas. Hey, you all in the back, are you going to like stay back there all week? I just need to know how to think about this. That's where you're going to be? The, okay. Well, it's okay, because back row people are cool people. I just want to know how to think about you in the back row. So, um, you know, flying into the Asheville airport reminds me, every time I, I am allowed to travel like this and join people for just a few days, I'm reminded of a time I flew, and I arrived late at night, actually early in the morning, 1 a.m. at the hotel, all of us got off the shuttle bus, moved into this hotel, there were people in line, and I inched my way to the front of the line, person at the front of the line, however, was interrupted by someone coming off of the elevator, who pushed to the front of the line, threw her keys on the counter and said, I want a new room and I want it now. What's the issue? It smells like mold and the telephone doesn't work. I want a new room. No problem. Here's the new keys. She sends her away. You know how, especially women were really good at this, kind of that passive aggressive. (laughs) You don't recognize that. As she went to the elevator, she did that. So I moved one more closer to the front of the line. She's helping now the next person in front of her. Here comes someone else off the elevator, keys down on the table in the front. This is 1.15 in the morning now. This person, I want a new room. There are people in my room. The employee behind the counter said, that's not really possible. Wrong thing to say if you're in the service industry, right? Wrong thing to say. It's not really possible. Oh, it's possible, all right. There are people in my room, naked, getting dressed people in my room right now while we're talking. Keys, new room. Here it goes off to the elevator with that same passive-aggressive rant. It is now my turn, and you can understand that I'm not feeling confident with my hotel selection. (laughs) So when she asked me, can I help you, I said... I don't care about the phone and the iron. I'd just like a room without people. Could I get one of those? Because it's what you expect when you go to the hotel, right? That's right. <laughs> Mic drop. I agree. You agree? Clearly. 
It's what we expect when we go to the hotel. We want a room without people. When you came here tonight to worship, we expect that when we worship, there will be inspiration, right? We expect on the first date there will be butterflies, and at the wedding there will be romance. We know at the funeral there will be tears. We know when we go to the barbecue we'll be stuffed. And when we buy the first car, there'll be a payment. And when the police pulls us over, there'll be another payment. It's what we expect. We know after writing checks, your parents and your grandparents, after there's something called a check. Did you know that? (laughs) After 40 years of making a house payment, we'll own something. It's what we expect. I just want to know for the faithful of you, the 50 of you in the room, who came to camp meeting on a Sunday night of a holiday weekend, what did you expect? What do you expect when you pack up and come to camp for a week? What do you expect will happen here? It's a real question. I have expectations for myself. What do I expect when I take a week from my life and come here in this quiet place and we're going to open scripture together? What do you expect? What do you hope will happen here? Can you hold that question. Just let it suspend for tonight in a few days. There's rumors, three years circulating now, about a new teacher, leader, healer coming to town. This teacher, leader, healer has the stamp of the kingdom of God. The approval of the kingdom of God has been endorsed by the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, that's a big deal. That's the God who, who pulled back the edges of the universe and turned on the sun, the moon, and the stars. That's the power that separated heavens from earth and water from land. That's the power that uh, that opened up every blossom on trees and plants that groomed every animal and sculpted every human body. That's power. There's a rumor that the new teacher, leader, Messiah coming to down has this power endorsed by the kingdom of God. This teacher, leader, healer, he's been roaming in the countrysides, in the villages, in the suburbs. But now he's coming into the power center of the universe, moving into Jerusalem. So Jesus has given instructions to his disciples exactly how this will go. They bring him a donkey. They take off their outer garments and lay it on the donkey. And more of their outer garments, jackets on the road. It's their makeshift red carpet. Jesus gets up on the back of the donkey. And they begin now with their chant. Oh, they've got a song. Every group of warriors has a song, a battle cry. Their battle cry? Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They sing it again and again. Who are the warriors? Oh, children, peasants, anybody's, nobody's. And they arm themselves with branches that they've pulled off of the tree. So they make their way down the middle of the epicenter of the faith tradition of Judaism, right here in Jerusalem. The rumor gets out and the religious leaders see what's happening. And they come to Jesus and say, stop it. This is embarrassing. Make your students stop. What a spectacle you've created. When the rumor gets a little further, king of Persia hears the story sends a messenger back to Jesus and says, we notice you don't have a proper horse. We'd be happy to give you one of our finest. This is the power 
of Jesus on display in the Gospel of Luke. Now, at the beginning of the Gospel story, are you okay if I move back and forth? Okay. In the beginning of that same Gospel story in Luke, it started with Jesus' first teaching in Luke chapter 6, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. We've heard, them, we've heard the teaching talked about that way. The text says that Jesus came down and stood on a level place and power was coming from him. The word is dynamite. (laughs) Something explosive, something overwhelming. Yeah, something like the kingdom of God, power. It's radiating from Jesus. There's power coming from him as he moves down and stands in and around and among the people. This is what I want to think about all week long together, all the way through Sabbath. There's a power coming from Jesus. What is that power about? It's very common for us Christians to say, we want to be more like Jesus. We want a little more Jesus in our life. Jesus at the center of it all. Thank you, Israel Houghton, right? It's always been, it'll always be about you, Jesus, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, everything more and more. During your lifetime, young adults, this has shifted in the Adventist church, and the older ones in the room could agree. Jesus has become a little more popular. That's good news. My thesis is we're absolutely confused about what we're saying. We want more Jesus. We just don't know what that means. We want a Jesus-centered everything, a Christ-centered everything. It starts with church and worship. We want Christ-centered churches, and in Christ-centered churches, we'll have Christ-centered worship, and we'll have Christ-centered preaching, and we'll have Christ-centered Bible study. Hallelujah. And then we hope, uh, you know, we'll go on a Christ-centered mission trip. Yes, those are the kind we want. In fact, if you're writing a mission statement for your church, you know Jesus is going to make the first sentence. Right? We want a Christ-centered church. In Christ-centered churches, we hope we'll meet Christ-centered people, and maybe we'll develop relationships with them. Who knows? We'll develop these relationships, and maybe we'll get married, and and we'll have Christ-centered homes where we'll raise Christ-centered children, and we'll do Christ-centered activities, and we'll send them to school while they're... You can study Christ-centered phonics and mathematics. Did you know that? I have no idea what it means. Christ-centered mathematics, 777, I don't have any idea. What do you study in Christ-centered mathematics? From Christ-centered curriculums, we grow old, right? We hope for our aging ones to find Christ-centered hospice workers, care providers, nursing homes, right? When we pick up our hobbies even, we're looking for people who are like us where we can do Christ-centered hobbies. Hey, you can join Christ-centered football league. Surely you've seen the NFL players who, who profess to be Christ-centered on their knees, crossing themselves, kisses to heaven, right? You can join a Christ-centered um, bikers club. This one claims to be, the, their mission statement is, we are Christ-centered bikers on the weekend, <laughs> Here's a Christian martial artist group. They call themselves Christian warriors. They're a Christ-centered martial artist group. I don't know what that means, do you? Does that mean you say Bible verses before your martial arts? This is a Christ-centered tattoo shop. Is it because the art they do is religious imagery? Is it because the artist, the tattoo artist is a Christian? Is it because they play Christian music over the speakers? How do you get Christ-centered tattoos? I don't know what that means. You can buy a Christ-centered recipe book. 
Yes, it is. I don't know what's in it. This projector is having Projector's having problems? Projector's having problems. There you go. First place, a Christ-centered health program. Recipes. I, there's only so many ways you can make communion bread. <laughs> I don't know what a Christ-centered recipe book is. Do you? You move from that to uh, there's a group you can join of businessmen and women called Christian Christ-centered Capitalists. They are Christians in the marketplace creating wealth that brings hope. Christ-centered capitalists. I don't know what that means. Do you? See, my thesis is that we use this, these, this language, but that we're absolutely incoherent in the world. And if we don't know what we mean, how would the world know what we mean? And if we don't know what we mean, how will we know if we're succeeding? How will we know if we're being a little more Christ-like, if Jesus is a little closer to the center of everything we're doing? If we don't know what we're talking about, how would we know? Christ-centered, Jesus-centered. What do we mean when we say that? And how will we know, friends? So we could read books about it. We can read scholars on this topic. We could talk among ourselves. We could open our Bibles, have Bible study, study together. We could have debates about it. We could attend church. We could start asking people, what do you mean when you say Jesus is at the center of it all? What does that look like when you get up in the morning? What does that look like when you're going around town during? What does that look like when you're studying, when you're trying to get a job? What does that look like when you're dating? You could start, we could talk about it. But I believe the best conversation partner we will have in this journey is Jesus. If we want to know what a Jesus-centered life is like, we will have to go to Jesus. I grew up in the church that was focused on Daniel and Revelation, Genesis 1 and 2. And if we're lucky, the Jesus stuff got fit in the middle. I am now teaching an entirely different generation in my congregation, go to the Jesus material first. How will I know Jesus if I'm only focusing on Daniel and Revelation, Genesis 1, 2, and 3? How will I know unless I go to the Jesus stories? There is power coming from Jesus. If I want to know what that's about, I'll have to read and study Jesus. I am not apologetic about this now. There's power coming from him. It's dynamite. Dynamite comes from Jesus as he gets close to the people. He's in them and around them. He can see the tears on their face because they're broken. He can hear the anxiety in their voice because they don't know how they're paying for tomorrow's food. He can feel their pain deep down in because their families don't get along. Dynamite is coming in and out and around all the people. Jesus senses what's going on. They are all, like us today, tonight, broken. It's what we all brought to camp meeting with us, our brokenness. And there's a power in the middle of them, the power to change that and address that. What is that power? In our quest to understand this power, my instinct, friends, will always be to use the power for myself. I'll always want to hoard my power for myself. Does anybody else have that issue? 
My power first will be for me and my family and my children and me and mine and we'll eat and we'll be taken care of first and whatever I have left over, I'll start to think about my power for other people. That's one of our challenges. I'm going to name two or three of our challenges tonight. As we think about the power of Jesus, the Jesus-centered life and how to understand this better, one challenge will be I'll always use my power for myself. A second challenge will be, hey, listen, look at the world we live in. The world will always be pushing and pulling on us, pushing and pulling on us. Culture will always attempt to have its way with us. Remember, it was like that for Jesus and the disciples too, right? We'll be confused. We had a little girl come to vacation Bible school a couple summers ago, tiny one, five years old. She uh, had an auntie bringing her back and forth during the week. Y'all went when you were little, right? You know what VBS is all about. She had her auntie bringing her back and forth, and they were so excited. They'd rehearsed all of this. Bella, you're going to go to VBS. What are you going to learn about there? I'm going to learn about Jesus. And they'd rehearse this. She'd come home, come back and forth Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And mom had been out of town. Mom comes home Wednesday night. And they were so excited because Bella can now tell her mom everything she's learned at vacation Bible school. They get home, sit down. Here's auntie, the little girl, mommy. Tell your mommy who's in your heart. You've been at vacation Bible school all week. Who do you have in your heart tonight? And she says, Justin Bieber. Auntie looked at her and said, no, you don't. Who do you have in your heart? You have Jesus in your heart. Justin Bieber? I don't know where that came from, she said. J, J. She got confused. It's a J word. Think about it. See, culture will always be like this for all of us. The pushing and the pulling the tug of war in culture will always be like this. It was for Jesus. It was for Jesus' disciples. Jesus doesn't remove himself. I'm lining up our challenges now with power. The first one is I'll always want to hoard it for myself. Second one is it's going to be difficult in this world trying to isolate and focus and get really clear on the one power of them all. Third, more and more, the culture is a selfie world. You all know this, right? You all know this. 2014, the word of the year in the Collins English Dictionary, it only makes sense in a selfie world. The word of the year in the Collins English Dictionary. So these are the games in Glasgow. These are the international games in Glasgow. This is the women's hockey team, um, Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. The year's 2014. Here's two of the female hockey players taking their selfie, what they don't know behind them. Is that the best? Queen Elizabeth, she had no idea what she was doing. She, she smiled for the camera. The 2014 Collins... Dictionary word of the year. That's an English dictionary. Guess what the word of the year is? Photobomb. Photobomb makes it as the word of the year. Photobomb wouldn't make sense in any other world except for a selfie world, right? In a selfie world, what will it be to take the lens off of ourself and understand the power of our teacher, leader, Ruler, our sovereign. 
every one of us here tonight has some degree of power, friends. Sometimes we don't feel like we have it. From the smallest baby, well, there was a baby earlier in the room. Is he or she gone? There she, it's a, is it he? Is it he? That baby has power. We heard it earlier. The baby cried, right? That's what a baby does with its power. It cries so an adult will get up and do something <laughs> frantic. Take care of that. From the smallest baby who can cry to a toddler who won't chew her mouthful of green beans because she doesn't want to, to a teenager who will break curfew because they can, to a parent who will just make bigger rules because they can, to grandparents and great-grandparents who won't move out of their homes to safer living environments because they can, to people who arrange their funerals before they die because they can. I have one like that last week. Entire thing all written up in big letters at the bottom. I don't want anybody messing with these plans. That's because she had children who would mess with them. <laughs> you even have power after you're dead. All of us tonight have some degree of power. Naming what it is and understanding that will be part of our journey this week. I like what Martin Luther King Jr. says. He says this, all societies organize themselves into defined roles and scripts. Systems of power, not logic, keep our life scripts going. I'm going to say that again. It's systems of power, not logic, that keep our life scripts going. Like royalty goes here and commoners go there. Like men go here and women go there. Like one color of skin goes there and another color of skin goes here. It's systems of power, not logic, that put these things in place in our world. Martin Luther King, I think, says wisely, understand our power. We all have it. We're all using it even sitting here tonight. Every degree of power we have, we'll all be tempted to use it in different ways. If we want then, friends, Jesus-centered lives, Christ-centered lives, if that's a focus for us, having this Jesus-centered life, we'll have to go to the Jesus material. We'll have to spend more time with Jesus. Everything we read in the rest of the Bible will be filtered through the Jesus we read about in the Gospels. If you read something about God in the Old Testament that has you confused, read it again after you've read some Jesus stories. If you're reading something at the end of the Bible that makes no sense, hey, Jesus comes descending on the throne as what? At the very end of the Bible story, he descends as a what on a throne? A transformer? Thor? A lion? Jesus descends as what? At the end of the Bible story. As a lamb having been wounded. That's the power that's on the back of the donkey that day entering Jerusalem. That's the power, the dynamite that comes out of Jesus and into the crowds who are broken that day. 
What is that kind of power? It doesn't look like anything in the world. And if we don't get it, how could we help anyone else understand it? That's my thesis for the whole week. We want Jesus-centered lives, but I'm not sure we know what they are. I want a Jesus-centered life. But every day, I'm on a quest to understand what that is. And by the way, it's not in the Bible that Jesus resembles God. It's that God is like Jesus. When we read Jesus and study Jesus, we've seen God. Jesus is what God wants. Jesus is who God is. Jesus shows us God's priorities. It's nothing other than. This is what we'll work on all week. I was at the courthouse, the traffic court, because pastors get tickets, speeding tickets, for $400. You're feeling my pain? Yeah, California, that's one reason to not live in California. I was at the courthouse for a speeding ticket. And there was a very long line at the courthouse this particular day. There was a man with a megaphone out in front of the courthouse, which I didn't know that they allowed. This was an hour before the doors of the court opened. The man with the megaphone was saying this. He's coming back with the long arm of the law. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. That's right. You know who I'm talking about. He's coming back to judge the wicked. That's right. So what are you here for today? Did you steal something? Did you kill somebody? Did you molest little children? What did you do? Go ahead, go ahead and see the judge today, but know that you're all sinners and he's coming back. The king of king and the Lord of lords is coming back for you. Oh, that's right, you'll have your day. He just kept going and going. You'll have your day before the judge. They call it a come to Jesus moment. Oh, that's right, you'll look in his face and he'll declare you a sinner, the King of kings and the Lord of lords coming back for you. You better be afraid. That's not the kind of dynamite the Gospel of Luke's talking about. I didn't know this guy. And I don't usually make these things my business. But friends... If we know the Jesus with the dynamite that heals broken bodies, that puts fractured relationships back together, if we know that Jesus and that power and that grace, when we come to moments like this, we cannot be silent. I stood there on the sidewalk and thought, Lord God, what, what in the world? These people in line aren't even my congregation. I don't have to worry about them. I can walk away. I dug in my purse and got a little piece of paper. And I did something that I don't do. 
except for that the Holy Spirit was there that moment. I wrote a note that said, Dear friend, I've not met you. My name is Chris. You seem to be working for Jesus today, but I don't recognize your Jesus. Could you put your megaphone down and walk away? That would be a gift. And I signed my name and I left my cell phone number. I don't know why. And he put his megaphone down and walked away. The Spirit did that. This is why we have to know the kind of power our sovereign has. This is not the power that smashes nations. It's the power that puts people back together again. All week, let's go for that vision of Jesus. Will you sing now as we close?